This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Little Wing is now streaming on Paramount Plus. I'm in a period of emotional people. I saw all the oh, I don't care crap. A little adventure. Where are you going? I'm gonna steal a bird from the Russian pigeon mafia. Let's do it. Goes a long way. <laughs> Starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Life can hurt, but life is sweet. Little Wing, rated PG 13, may be inappropriate for children under 13. Now streaming exclusively on Terramont Plus. This podcast is part of the Robots Radio Rocket Club, a program designed to help all podcasts reach their full potential. For information about joining the Robots Radio Rocket Club, check out robotsradio.net. And welcome to the MCU Lorecast. I'm Captain Shenko. And I'm Psych88. From our last appearance with Logan, which was a little bit forgettable, we're heading to a much brighter, yet still gritty and dark corner, involving our favorite hairy Canadian. Today, we're talking about Logan. And not just Logan Logan, like the film Logan. Yeah, this one's gonna be... This is gonna be fun. Uh, this is a great, like, out of all the Wolverines, this one's my favorite. And, like, of the X-Men movies in particular, this ranks in the top five, for me at least. Which is interesting to hear from someone who isn't the biggest fan of Wolverine himself. Uh, yeah. You know, you can't knock actually, like, decent storytelling, superb acting from not just your main character, but the supporting cast, fantastic fights. It earns its R rating, which makes this our first R-rated movie to to discuss, which we'll get to in a second. And and you and the subject material isn't just Wolverine. It's about the relationships he has with people. It's about it's about growing old. It's about life and death. So yeah, there's there's a lot more, a lot more complexity here to to this than what we've gotten previously, I would say. That's why it ranks so high on my list. Mm -hmm. And back to that R rating. Yeah, it earned it. We're going to be covering some not so savory scenes. And so if you've got the kitties in the car, maybe consider coming back later once you've dropped them off and you're by yourself. Because I don't think some of this action is uh, appropriate. <laughs> yeah, uh, I second that with. With my own kids, like, this will be an episode they won't get to listen to until later. So, I, without further ado, I guess we would go ahead and let Genesis remind everyone that... If you're looking for a spoiler-free zone, sorry, lovelies, you are in the wrong place. Thank you, Genesis. And away we go. So, this is a couple of years in the future now. Uh, it's not so distant in the future in the grand scheme of things, but the year's 2029. 
And there have been no mutants born. And Logan's finally starting to feel the effects of getting adamantium injected into your body and coating your skeleton with it. His healing factor is failing and the adamantium is actively killing him. He's working as a chauffeur driver in Texas and he has Caliban taking care of a very old Charles Xavier who is kind of losing his grip as he succumbs to Alzheimer's and isn't in full control of his mutant abilities, which has caused several incidents, which has his brain now classified as a, a like a deadly weapon. Seeing Patrick Stewart come back to do this one, you know, one last time and, and seeing that he's not the same Xavier, right? Mm-hmm. He is a, he, he's, because you, you come up into that, into that storage chamber they've got him in basically and he's a raving madman and it's so far removed from the reserved professor that you were introduced to that it's it was it was hard it was hard to watch it personally i've had a family member go through something like that and while i may not have particularly cared for her uh, as a person seeing her deteriorate like that you know that's that's a that that leaves a mark on you and so to see that again here portrayed very well, um, yeah, that was, it's rough. It's very rough. Mm-hmm. Uh, Logan, of course, is a uh, chauffeur driver and he gets a call out to a motel and he very ru- reluctantly agrees to take a ride for Gabriela Lopez and a little girl for a lot of money. And... The little girl is Laura, and they are trying to get to a place called Eden, which is supposed to be a refuge on the border of America and Canada. Things start to go downhill very quickly, because just prior to this, Logan's introduced to kind of a not-so-nice man. One Donald Pierce, cyborg, and general bad guy. (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm. Is bad guy. (laughs) it's <laughs> got the the tattoos and the the creepy grin yeah made even creepier by that one gold tooth like yeah he's grimy he's definitely gr- he is the grime king for sure and he basically tells logan hey if you see this woman and this little girl you need to tell me what doesn't he do that he takes the ride and unfortunately when he gets to the motel to pick them up gabrielle is dead dead yeah. Laura is very much not dead dead and stows herself in the trunk. Logan escapes, gets back to his compound, and Caliban kind of points and goes, who's that? <laughs> yeah, they have a they have a moment and it's revealed that even though they had put Xavier in this like special anti-cerebro, he was still out there telepathically communicating with other people one of these other people was laura so yeah it's like xavier's trying to broker a peace deal between logan and laura to get to get logan to take her from mexico all the way to canada and you know get her to safety and remind him that hey you're an x-man that used to mean something to you and you know logan's adamantium poisoning 
and he's turned to alcohol to handle that problem. He's like, no, it's, it's no longer my problem. None of that's my problem. Mm-hmm. There's a video on Gabriella's phone that shows the experiments that created Laura. Um, but the children that were in that program, they're a little feral. And they were supposed to be all just executed. Gabriella and a couple of the other nurses helped some of them ex- escape. One of them being Laura. And she was made using Logan's DNA. Yeah. Um, and that reveal is pretty sweet. You want to take us through that fight? Yeah, because she... Uh, so I, I loved the fight scenes in this one. And I'm somewhat glad that this movie earned its R rating. Because I feel like with a character like Wolverine and an introduction to a character like X-23, Laura, you need it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The display of fighting from Laura in this scene was just incredible. Uh, All of the, you know, the bad guys show up in the tactical trucks with guns and tech gear and bulletproof vests. Well, what I loved seeing here was she is small, but she has the same power set more or less as Logan, so she has the claws, the healing, and the agility and the the instinct. And she was going after joints, she was going after any of the exposed parts of the body that were easy access, and then utilizing her size to dive between people, and she was taking them down efficiently based on, you know, her, her build. Logan jumps into the fight as well, and I liked to see as well that you could tell that he had his health deteriorating, but when you train how to fight, those kinds of reactions don't just go away. You could very much tell there was muscle memory to what he was doing, and he was still very accurate and still very um, combative and had good fight instincts, but his age was wearing on him for sure. You'd kind of see at the end of an exchange, he'd be laboring a little bit and the transitions between people were not as smooth, whereas Laura's very young and agile, very fast, and was fighting very much in the same style that Logan did when he was younger, which was really, really cool and kind of a nice homage to see. Yeah. And tell tell me how you felt about how, you know, the, the stunt team and the graphics team as well went about the, the CGI and things, because I think this was actually really good. <laughs> uh, yeah, like, if... If these were CGI claws or anything, man, we're talking like worlds difference from Origins. And if not, the practical effects are amazing then. Like those were those were great effects. Um, and I mean, you've got body parts going left and right. So you know that it's got to be done at least on some level partially CGI. And you really just couldn't tell. I mean... Part of it was quick movement on the, you know, camera, right? Camera work being all fast and and fluid, but also just the ferocity in which they uh, allowed X twenty three to exhibit on these soldiers. Yeah, it was it was just like it was survival fighting. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's no there's no technique that other than kill them, mm-hmm. maim them, kill them. Mm-hmm. That's it. And I think they did. I think they did that very well. Mm-hmm. Just very animalistic because we have seen with Logan, especially when he's not quite himself or he's been shot in the head with adamantium plot bullets, he very much leans into his animal side. And it's interesting to see that reflected in Laura because she's still very much young and still very much figuring out 
her powers and her instincts and control over all of those things because she's early on shown to be very angry and very um very aggressive and also fearful as well even in the scene in the motel where she's throwing the ball and she ends up breaking a window and and the lady comes out to to yell at her and said I told you not to do that the you know uh, Gabriella's like no 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 don't make her angry <laughs> <laughs> So Logan, eventually, he's not really given a choice, and he tries to take uh, Laura to Eden. But he finds out that Eden appears in a comic book, and he tells her that it's not real. She's adamant that it is. She keeps trying to show him the comic book, and uh, Logan has never been a fan of the yellow spandex. Uh, man, I I loved the, the in-joke of that, right? Like, oh. Of course, the X-Men were a thing in this world. And then at some point, because there's no trademark on them or anything, I guess, someone started writing X-Men comics in that universe. And that's like, so he he was saying in that uh, hotel room they got up to, like, more than half of that didn't happen. And what of it they got right is only partially right. Like, I loved that little in joke. It was good. And Funny enough, they do all that in, um, quote, quote, Oklahoma City, which, uh, you know, where I'm from. Did it look familiar? No. No. It's probably Portland. Yeah. Or Atlanta, or, you know, wherever else they tend to shoot these films, but, um, anyway, when they, when the Reavers arrive, Charles ends up having a seizure, and that was one of the things that caused him to become more or less a deadly weapon in an incident that injured over 600 people and killed several X-Men. And he incapacitates everyone, except, of course, for Laura and Logan, who give him his medication and kill all of the, all of the Reavers that had arrived. I love that scene. Like, because every, he's, what Xavier's doing is, you know, that scene from X2 where he made uh, everyone just stand still and like time like time seemed to stop for everyone except who he wants well he's doing that on a level that is going to actively cause you pain it's um i don't know how to explain explain it basically it's a giant psychic attack that you can't do anything about Mm -hmm. your brain hurts yeah but as wolverine is coming through you like the reavers who have attacked Xavier, who, and because they attacked Xavier, triggered his seizure, they can see Wolverine coming, and they're watching themselves die. Oof. And, like, <laughs> like you can see what little bit of fear that they can, like, conjure at that point, as they know that, oh, those three spikes are going through my head. Yep, I'm dead. Mm-hmm. So, then Dr. Xander Rice appears, and he's the head of the transigen company that or the you know organization that cloned and made Laura and he arrives to help his good buddy Smarmy Pierce Logan and Laura and Xavier end up at a you know at a family farm having dinner and Logan has to drive off some enforcers and Dr. Rice unleashes his secret weapon that is such a bad idea X-24, a completely brainwashed, mindless clone of a prime Logan, which was a little bit Uncanny Valley, if I'm honest. Yeah, that one, like, 
you could tell they were try like they tried to keep it as minimal as possible, but they had to like de-age him by about twenty years, and that's rough to do, especially keeping that fluid in a fight scene. I mean, it was hard enough to just have static. I'd say stat. I'm gonna call these static shots, but yeah, you know, where you're just having an interview or you're talking with someone, no fast movement of camera action or fast movement of the actor within the camera, like none of that. Mm-hmm. in those other dh scenes and yet we get these where wolverine's got fight himself and so yeah it was it was tough and it's a little bit jarring too to see the younger wolverine who's kind of like definitely cgi'd but you're kind of trying to turn off that part of your brain so you can just enjoy the fight scene because it was very good mm-hmm. and also seeing the aging not so prime logan who's been spending the majority of the film stumbling around being injured and kind of gross. We went from gratuitous to gross real quick. Anyway, the the clone ends up killing Will Munson's family, and uh, it's terrible. Yeah, that, that one was... Oof. Yeah, he also offs our guy Xavier and captures Laura. Caliban sets off a ton of grenades and makes the ultimate sacrifice and takes out several of the Reavers, but doesn't manage to take out Pierce. Pierce is only injured. Logan is obviously outmatched by his younger self, but Will, who is still alive, pins him with his truck. Against a a big tractor blade thing, yep. Mm -hmm. Before he dies of his injuries. Uh, Logan and Laura end up escaping. And they take Xavier's body with them. They have a little funeral, you know, uh, Logan buries Xavier and then takes a little little nap. And uh, Laura makes him go to the doctor. And by makes him, we mean this 12-year-old finds a car, hijacks it, <laughs> drags him into it, then drives somehow to a local doctor's office in rural, it's hard to tell if it's rural Oklahoma or Kansas at this point. Yeah, there's somewhere. Drags him into that doctor's office and is like, to the doctor, treat him. And that's all off screen. Yeah. Why they didn't show that, I don't know, because I would love to see the visual. Because, like, it's established that Wolverine is a very heavy man, even though he might not look it. Because adamantium skeleton. Mm-hmm. And I don't care what superhero steroids they gave that little girl. She not carrying 240 pounds of Hugh Jackman. <laughs> I believe with the adamantium, he tops out in the 300 somewhere. Yeah, he's a, he is not a a light person to carry by any means. He squatted that Harley <laughs> real quick. But they end up finding Richter and the other transigent children, and they're trying to go to Canada. Laura finds the adamantium bullet and she kind of understands that he was going to commit suicide. And, and, you know, Logan is obviously stated that his basic immortality is a curse. We spent the whole somewhat forgettable The Wolverine exploring his, you know, desire to die Mm -hmm. and the ability to make that choice for himself because he's been virtually immortal because of his healing. Um, Logan ends up not going with them. Which Laura's a little disappointed about. Guess who's back, though? (laughs) Yeah, even without the tracker Caliban, they managed to find the kids and the Reavers. 
set up one last attack with Dr. Rice being a smarmy leading type. So Logan gives himself a dose of the serum, a super dose, really, that uh, Richter had given to him, which makes him able to heal and boost his strength. And he and Laura slaughter, literally slaughter. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Most of the Reavers. While uh, in the meantime, the serum's wearing off. It's like a power boost in a video game, right? Mm Mm-hmm. So Rice tells Logan that he killed his father years ago at the Weapon X facility and that no new mutants had been born because of GMOs. Yeah, they they had made a reference to it earlier with Will Munson. They were talking about how uh, corn syrup was in everything. And that that plot point gets expanded further here when Rice is saying, yeah, we put us, you know, something in the, you know, in the food supply to make mutations no longer random. We we neutered you so that we could control you, which is about all what Logan needs to hear before he blows his head off. Yeah. Yeah, we don't see him uh, take up firearms very often because he's usually kind of the hack and slash type. Nah. He said, let's just make this one easy. Bam. Uh, X-24's back. (laughs) And he fights Logan while the children kill Pierce and the remaining Reavers. Yeah, you heard that right, guys. The children combine arms and kill all the bad guys. Okay, look, we're we're talking about a movie where, I mean, we've got, I think she's 12 or 14 or something, you know, something child age, but not, like, younger than 8 or 10 or something. In the opening fight, they stick a harpoon through Laura that you see. You don't normally see violence done on children in a movie. That is fair. So yeah, it's not, I wouldn't say it was a, it, it was a fitting end, but also it w- it wasn't out of place for this movie to have the children gather all their powers together and like ritual kill uh, Pierce, which is basically what they did. They got in a circle you had someone who could control plant life. You had a, an electrical kid, a telekinetic, I believe as well. And they basically held him down and strangled him to death. And electrocuted him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Richter flips a truck on X-24. <laughs> but, you know, because plot armor, he survives and frees himself and impales Logan on a tree. Ew. Gross. Uh, but Laura loads the plot bullet and kills X-24 by shooting him in the head. She learned a thing or two from watching Logan. She's, Yeah. <sighs> And this movie is in utilizing the whole adamantium versus adamantium whatever rule is why it's tied into this Wolverine trilogy. And that's why it's kind of its its own separate to me. It's its own separate trajectory or timeline or whatever. But yeah, this adamantium can go through adamantium BS and she it's very violent. Man's missing about a quarter of his head afterward. Like, yeah. And for whatever reason, his healing factor does not like repair the brain, the skull, or anything. He he drops dead. That's it. Plot bullet. Plot bullet. Yep. But there's a really touching moment where Laura acknowledges Logan as as her dad, and after he peacefully dies. 
she and all of the other children bury Logan, and Laura tilts the cross that was made into an X to honor him as the last X-Man. Yep. And I I don't believe there was any stinger for this one, so like this was this was it. This was supposed to be it. Now, you know, here in the last several months, we have it's been revealed that Hugh Jackman is coming back for Wolverine for the third Deadpool movie, which is supposed to also tie in the mutants to the MCU or something. But at the time of this movie, this was Hugh Jackman's last run. This was his swan song, basically. And I gotta say, it, it, that was an amazing ending. Mm-hmm. Now, I think this was a really great film to end out Logan's story, especially the Hugh Jackman version. I I think he was the guy. I think he's become iconic for it. And he played the character very well, and he was loyal to the role at the, at the very least to say, you know, he embodied being Wolverine and he came back more times than I think I think he would have been anticipated to because he was fairly he's fairly serious you know theatrical actor he's a triple threat as we call in the biz he can sing dance and act Mm -hmm. so it it was always my and it's so funny because my my mom comes from a theater background and I I was a theater kid too but I liked superhero media before I was into theater and so Hugh Jackman for me had always been Wolverine but she goes you know he does all of this other stuff, right? And then, you know, he was cast in Les Mis and he's done um, The Greatest Showman and things like that. So it was always a little bit weird for me to see him step into those roles, even though that was his bread and butter before he even considered the X-Men. Mm-hmm. But I think, you know, that's about that's about the end for the for the story. This was a good time. Yeah. I mean, if you haven't seen Logan and you're listening to this, I would say turn off our podcast here real quick go watch it and then come back because it's it's just that good i think i believe it won several awards or at least was nominated for several awards it was finally the wolverine story that i think won fans both x-men and of particularly wolverine fans were looking for in both brutality and in storytelling i would love to see a trend of some of these more gritty violent characters getting R-rated films because sometimes it's not for the kids. This one was for grown-ups, and I enjoyed it. And I would say that trend is actually going because we've got you know we've got two Deadpool movies. Uh, they are both R-rated. We're going to have a third here. I would. The thing is, I these very gritty heroes they make up a very small percentage, I'd say, of roster, right? But you've got you've got Daredevil, which when it was on Netflix, was a very... It was violent for PG-13. I don't think that one was PG-13. The one on Netflix? Mm-hmm. Not not the Ben Affleck one. No, I know. the Yeah, the Daredevil Netflix series. Yeah. We'll have to look at that for sure. Because it was yeah. very gritty. It was violent. And then the Punisher series was violent too. And the Punisher? Yeah. So I think we're we're on that trend of allowing the darker heroes to exist in the darkness... And we can, we can, we can get away from the camp. We can move away from camp and we can market it towards an audience that, that there, that, that exists. Mm-hmm. I mean, cause you couldn't tell me that a, an R-rated Winter Soldier movie would not be fantastic. I, I really can't tell you that. I'd believe that in a heartbeat. That would be an amazing movie, I think. Mm-hmm. Well. But enough on that. Let's go to our mid break. Yeah. Absolutely. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, welcome to the mid break. As usual, if you've stuck with us this long, we'd like to thank you. Uh, we've got a Patreon up, which the link to it will be in the description. And you can get in on the fun with us by signing up for any of our tiers. With the tier four, gets you on the show at the end of the month. And if you can't support us financially, you can always drop us a review on Apple or rating on Spotify. The five-star reviews really help us, guys. The more of them we get, the further up we get pushed whenever people look for Marvel podcasts. So please leave those reviews. We would also love to read out any five-star reviews from Apple. So if you want to drop us one with a couple of words, we'll read them out in this part of the show. Unfortunately, we don't have one today. And of course, uh, if you want to talk with us directly, we've got Twitter, we've got Insta, we've got Facebook, and we've got the Robots Radio Discord channel. The link for the Discord will also be in the show description. We were just talking with some fans earlier this week about the fandom, and so we always enjoy talking to you guys about you know what's whatever's going on. Speaking of shows on the Robots Network, tell us about the Fight Space, Shinko. The Fight Space is my other show. I do that show with my good friend Angel occasionally, and I've had on a absolutely amazing roster of special guests. I actually recently spent time sitting down with the Karate Hour podcast and talked about karate combat, combat sports in general, and told a couple of really fun stories with Mac and Mal of that show. Super fun time. It's a show all about combat sports and making the community and the world of martial arts accessible to the layman. And it's a really friendly space to introduce people to some of the athletes and tell their stories as well. So it's also one of the only female-led martial arts podcasts on the internet. So if you're into all of that, definitely think about checking out The Fight Space or The Fight Space 1 on Twitter. Super fun time. And I know that you've got other stuff going on too. Yep. As usual, you can find me on the Mass Effect Blue Shift podcast. It's a tabletop RPG that uses the Fate system. We play Citadel security agents solving crimes on the Citadel, and I play dashing human agent Jack Parizo. It's, of course, it's a lot of fun. I get to, I get to do improv acting, right? Which uh, is something I'm always working on because improv is just something I was never particularly good at. So it's always good to be able to work on that skill, and I get to do it with my good friends, and we drop episodes monthly at the first Friday of the month. And I believe that is it for our mid-break, so let's head on out and talk about the comics. Okay, I've got five characters and an actual comic to talk about, so we're going to get through this relatively quickly. First up is Dr. Rice, Dr. Xander Rice. He was introduced in... X-23 number one in March 2005 by Craig Kyle, Christopher Yost, and Billy Tan. His father was Dale Rice, 
who worked in the Weapon X program that created Logan, and he was killed by Logan. His comic counterpart is just as sadistic as his movie version, in that he forced his partner uh, on the program to carry Laura to term and sort of bond with her, and then used Laura to kill her. Jeez. Yeah. <laughs> he's he's a monster. Thankfully, he also bites it as well. Uh, before Laura's mother's death, she used Laura to kill him, so it was kind of a good turnaround. I will discuss how all that worked in a minute. Um, they have these trigger scents that they would use to send Laura into into a frenzy and kill whatever they told her to kill. Jeez. Just let kids be kids. Come on now. Yeah, no. Like maybe put her in some jujitsu for anger management and potentially therapy? Uh, I'm sure they taught her jujitsu, but not for any kind of like personal achievements or growth or anything, but just to have another like fight system built within her so that their little tool can be more effective. Terrible. Yeah. So next we've got Donald Pierce. He was introduced in The Uncanny X-Men number 132 in April 1980 by Chris Claremont and John Byrne. He's a cyborg, he's genocidal, he hates mutants, and he's a madman. So check, 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 check. His comic counterpart worked for the Hellfire Club as the White Bishop, but he had only infiltrated the group so that he could kill them all, which unfortunately didn't really go his way. For him, I guess. He is a Reaver, which is a merc group of cybernetic soldiers made to kill mutants. Then he would go on to join the Purifiers, a religious-based merc group made to kill mutants. No, uh, no relation. No relation to Alexander Pierce, huh? No relation at all to one Alexander Pierce, either comic or MCU. That's just... Pierce is just a great name. Like, I can think of so many different Pierces in my... In my repertoire of characters, right? It's just it's just a good name. It's, it's bold. Gets the point across. This guy's this guy's serious. He'll he'll pierce ya. <laughs> That's awful. You should feel bad. I should feel bad, but I don't. <laughs> yeah. Alright. Next we've got Mutant Tracker Caliban. He was introduced in The Uncanny X-Men number 148 in August 1981 by Chris Claremont and Dave Cockrum. He was originally a member of the Morlocks, a group of mutants whose physical mutations have caused the humans to drive them underground. And at least one of their company was definitely a fan of classical literature. In the comics, Caliban's initial meeting with the X-Men is very much like his Shakespearean counterpart. He tried to take Kitty Pride as his bride. Ew. Yeah. Yeah. And in the comics, he looks way worse than the movie made. Like, in the movie, he's just an albino. In the comics, he's he's got, like, buggy eyes. Not, not like, multifaceted, but they kind of just bug out of, like, bulge out of his skull. He looks way more like Gollum than a person. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There was some definite foreshadowing with his name being what he does, what he does, and every like real nail on the head there. Anyway, 
Uh, as that he also makes an appearance in X-Men Apocalypse, I will save more of his history for that because he does work for Apocalypse twice in the comics. So we'll discuss his transformations and powers in that. Next, what we have is, you know, a character, my character section for Missing in Action, and it is Dr. Sarah Kinney. She was also introduced in X-23 number one in March 2005 by... Craig Kyle, Christopher Yost, and Billy Tan. She is Laura's biological mother and the research partner to Dr. Rice. She used her own DNA a little bit to combine with some of the samples that had been left over from when Logan was held by Weapon X, and she created a viable embryo doing that. Wait, they took that from him? I don't know if they took that particularly or if that was just... They said they had his DNA on file. I don't know what all that actually means, but if that was blood, if that was other fluids, whatever. But from that, they made... Laura. Because Rice was a sadist, he made Sarah carry her rather than have it grown in a tube or anything. Sarah is the one who would give X-23 her name just as she was dying in Laura's arms. <laughs> so, you know... That was cool. Like, how much more emotional trauma can we heap onto this child? Here you go. Uh, the caregiver role was given to the nurse Gabriela Lopez for the movie. I don't know why they cut out Sarah Kinney, considering how important she is to Laura, uh, Laura's growth and character. Like, for the movie, it made sense. They, in, in the movie, they grew these mutant children you know, naturally by insemination and then probably disposed of the mothers afterward. So like it was just one more transaction. So there wasn't room, I would say in the movie for a Sarah Kenny, but at the same time, I don't know why really she needed to be cut out. If we could also bring in, you know, Dr. Rice here. Okay. So last, but certainly not least is Laura, a.k.a. X-23. Introduced on the TV show X-Men Evolution, episode titled X-23 by Craig Kyle, Christopher Yost would join him as co-creator when they brought her to the comics in NYX number 3 in February 2004. Uh, she is one of a handful of characters that had started on a television show, whether it be animated or otherwise, then making the jump to its original literature. So we, yeah, it was a smaller cast, smaller cast of new characters for you today. Yeah, yeah, very much so. Um, I mean, the movie itself kept itself fairly, like, fairly small in terms of uh, primary and secondary cast. Like, yes, you had the group of mutant children, but only like three of them were named characters in the credits, and then the rest are just listed. Mm -hmm. um, and even then, most of them were only there for powers rather than for character growth mm -hmm. what i was going to say about laura is that she's a lot like pinocchio she's created to be a weapon only and then once she gets out of all the people trying to use her as a weapon she then has to try to figure out her humanity and become a real person and due to um the the creators of X-23 and several other writers, they are doing a fantastic job of bringing her to 
bringing her to a three-dimensional character. She took up the mantle of Wolverine after his death in 2014, which you can read in The Death of Wolverine. They would bring him back in about four years after that. But hey, there was about four years where Wolverine was a woman. And don't get me wrong, the internet completely lost its mind when that happened. Hmm. Hmm. Go figure. Yeah. Go figure. They want the hairy Canadian. Yeah. But also in the comics, mainly thanks to her efforts, there's a whole like little family of Wolverines now. Like You've got Logan being a parental figure to... Her and now her clone, uh, Gabri- uh, Gabrielle, or Gabby, and she is the one named Honey Badger. And then there's the biological son, uh, Dakin, of Wolverine. And it's just, it's a whole thing. There's a reason I don't like him. <laughs> <laughs> and now take me to the comics, because I was even, as a very casual comic fan, aware of the Old Man Logan series. Yes. Old Man Logan comic is a miniseries detailing kind of the uh, end of the end of the end of the line, as it were. In it, the supervillains made a massive strike against the heroes, killed a lot of them. And for the X-Men, they used Wolverine. They tricked his mind into thinking he was fighting the villains and he was really killing his teammates. Oh, jeez. Yeah, I don't know. It's dark. It is dark. Um, here's another dark for you. The Hulk becomes a villain. Um, <clears throat> quote, quote, marries his cousin, the She-Hulk, Jennifer Walters, and then has a bunch of incest babies with her, who then they utilize that line of Hulks to maintain control of some portion of, or if not all of the United States or something. What were they on? Man, that's a great question. I have no idea. In all honesty, the only real inspiration lifted from the book is Logan is old. He's not healing as well. And they kind of just dropped the rest, inserted him into the X-23 origin, as it were, and called it good. Which, in my opinion, was a fantastic option. (laughs) Yeah, I think given the alternative, that is uh, that is the better path. And probably, despite how violent the film was, the more acceptable one. Mm-hmm. The Old Man series has spawned off several other spinoffs. There's uh, Old Man Star-Lord, there's Old Man Hawkeye, and there is Old Woman Laura. Hmm. Yeah. Now, right at the time, there was just Old Man Logan. But yeah, yeah, so if you want to go out and read it, it's... It is a trip. I will warn you of that. It's a trip. But that's it. That's what I've got. Yeah, I mean, this one was good. I have very few complaints. Yeah, especially for the time in which it came out, because Logan came out in March, and then in May we were followed up by um, Guardians of the Galaxy 2, and so you got this, like, back-to-back daddy issue, like, thing going, which my wife pointed out very, like pointed out very heavily (laughs) like what's the plot what's the the hottest plot for this year daddy issues uh, for this year i am probably ant-man and the wasp since they're going to be dealing with his relationship with a teenage young adult cassie Mm, teenage angst 
it's unclear to me if this is supposed to set up the end of Scott Lang as Ant-Man or or not. I know they're set, they're doing a lot of setup stuff. Like that's a big part of phases four and five is to phase out the old guard and bring in the new. And one of the last ones they're bringing on is apparently stature. So next Avengers, next Avengers, next Avengers, next Avengers, next Avengers, please. (laughs) If anyone out there from Marvel's listening, please give us next Avengers. It's what we want. Anyone from Marvel listening to this, if you want to come on the show and talk to us about anything, how your day's going, I will take it. But specifically, if you want to come on and talk about Marvel, we'd be more than happy to have you on. Shoot us a DM. We'll be happy to schedule you in. But beyond that, and specifically about Logan, those are my thoughts. It's a great movie. Go watch it. Don't bring your kids. Don't bring... No. I had to wait until the children were away for the day to watch this one. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't don't have that, but... (laughs) I definitely, I wouldn't watch this one with my parents. And I'm sorry, mom and dad, if you're listening. This one was violent and I thoroughly enjoyed it. But I think that's all I have, too. All right. Then on that note, I think this is where we say goodbye. And we'll catch you next time. Night, everyone. As we all know, when it comes to making a movie, there are a lot of people working behind the scenes to make that movie magic happen. And it is no different when making a podcast. Welcome to the credit section of the MCU Lorecast. Captain Shanko and I would like to personally thank the following for their incredibly hard work and faith in us to get this podcast rolling. Tom, the head of the Robots Radio Network, for hosting and mentoring. In Seven Legend of the Mass Effect Lorecast for inspiration, Genesis and Vervada of the Two Girls One Ship podcast for introducing us, Let's Not, a fellow tabletop gamer and friend for the amazing artwork, Pipe Men, a veteran and friend for the outstanding music, our significant others for believing in and supporting us through this, and you, our fans without whom this would be a vanity project. Let us know how we're doing by leaving us a review on Apple or a rating on Spotify. And, to quote Stan the Man, enough said. Are you a fan of Elden Ring? Are you confused about the lore as pretty much everyone else? We've got you covered. Check out the Elden Archives, a lore podcast that helps to explain every little confusing detail about the lands between. Things like what exactly happened on the Night of the Black Knives, or what we really know about characters like Nicola. Just like the show you're listening to now, we're on the Robots Radio Network, so you know it'll be good. Wondering how to find the show? Easy. Either go to robotsradio.net or search Elden Archives on whatever podcatcher you're using right now. Bookmark the show for later, and we'll see you in the lands between. Again, that's the Elden Archives, from Soft Lorecast, available everywhere.